All right, if you're visiting, there are sermon notes in the bulletin. We're doing a study uh, since back in November, and it's going to go into February, on why love is the excellent way for you. You don't want to have missed any of these messages. You don't want to not listen to some of the podcasts. We've been going deeper and deeper into this study over the past several weeks. And so we're really focused on verses 4 to 7. Look at it. It says, love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous, does not brag, and is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. By now, every one of you should know there are 15 verbal adjectives there that describe love, that you can quantify your love. You can know whether you are acting in love. And what we've been doing over the last few weeks is taking each one of those individual words, patience and then kind, kindness, and looking at them because they are profound and they're deep. And we started studying at the word kindness. And I thought I would just do one study on it last week, but it's going to expand into this study as well. You look, love is patient, love is kind. And so doing more research this week, I was more taken back by the fact, do you know there are websites on kindness? There's websites. You, there's a website that, that, that talk about random acts of kindness and, and give all kinds of insight. There was a lady that was turned 22 years old, and she came up with 22 ways to be kind on her birthday, and it went viral all over the country, maybe all over the world. Her ways of acting in kindness. There's another website that's called Planned Acts of Kindness that deal with how to plan out acts of kindness. And there's even websites on jokes for kindness. Knock, knock. Can you do me, Don? No, you. I was going to let the kid do it. Say it. Tank. You're welcome. Thank, thank you. Thank you. See? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Look, there are even T-shirts with tank. Thank you. I mean, come on, come on. What? Oh, I got to turn it on. You got it. Thank you, Brian. All right. So, <laughs> okay. Random acts of kindness. Okay, you are a wonderful person. You can get these T-shirts with those things all promoting the concept of kindness. Every major religion, interestingly enough, promotes kindness. I found there was that famous actor, Richard Gere, that said this, okay, that, that every major religion should have kindness. In essence, we're all the same that he was talking about. But the reality of it is, is we're not all the same, okay? And, and kindness is important. And there was an even article I found on the internet that said, let's get real. Kindness is not going to save you or the world. Kindness is the new mindfulness, and, and the claims being made for it are ridiculous because there's so much emphasis on being kind. Will it really change the world? And, and the only way it will really change the world, I got to tell you, is if it's coupled with the gospel. And we'll talk more and more about that as we go deeper and deeper. But as I started studying last week is, you know, the world thinks that kindness will change the world and make it all a better place. But we've always got to remember, because all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, that there's always going to be a problem with people ultimately being kind the way they should be. And part of our study of this simple word that you think, oh, it's so simple, being kind, I, why should we spend so much time on it? It's because it really is a deep theological concept. But I challenge you, if I ask you this question, will doing acts of kindness stop you from being lonely? Will act, doing kind, acts of kindness give you a purpose in life? And I'm going to tell you, yes, they will. Because when we've been talking about being loving and we've been thinking about others-oriented, the more you start thinking about other people, the less you think about yourself and the less lonely you become. When we talk about being kind, is it different than being different than the Buddhist or the Mormons or somebody like that nun called Teresa, Mother Teresa? 
And it's absolutely because we're going to couple our kindness with the truth of the word of God and the gospel, the true gospel. Ultimately, what makes us different is that when we are to be kind, we are to be different sometimes at a cost. And the challenge that I find is that people in this world will only be kind as long as it doesn't cost them. And the challenge for all of us is to be people that understand that at times it's going to be very sacrificial to be kind. I love this little picture with the, what's the, what are the yellow things called again? Yeah, there you go, minions. Love and kindness are never wasted. They always make a difference. They bless the one who receives them, and they bless you, the giver. Okay? As we go through this, love is absolutely superior. And we need to grasp that it is, it is the far greater way to go. And more than anybody in human history, we should be people who grasp it. So if you haven't been with us, this whole concept of love where it's being described here is in the context of the Apostle Paul describing super um, spiritual gifts. And, and I've said over and over and over that it's comparable to a superhero. So you look back in verse 28 of chapter 12. He says, God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, third miracles, then gifts of healing, then helps, and, and, and then ministrations of various kinds of tongues. And when he gets all said and done, he says, you may or may not have those, but let me show you a greater way, and we're going to talk about love. And as I was going deeper and deeper into this concept this week, I thought about this. More than any time in human history, we should be the people who grasp how significant this is. Now follow this. I've been over last year, I went, I went, to, I went to Rome, and they got all these statues. And over in Italy, there was other places we went, and they had like the Colossus, and they got statues of like Apollo, and, and they've, they've got statues of Poseidon. And when the Apostle Paul lived, they saw these statues, and they would make them out of marble. I'm sure some of you guys have seen them, right? And you go, and you go to this fountain, and there's this big thing like Poseidon. And Poseidon is there, and what, is, what do you do when you, you see that statue? You walk around it. You move. But it doesn't move. And I can imagine that people went by, and they had to use their imagination, and they saw what a great statue that was. And, and I was at this one place. I think it was... Um, Oh, Pompeii, and they had this giant colossus. It was a mammoth, like this superhero, but it never moved either. But I'm living in the day and age, and you're living in the day and age. When I watch TV, I watch commercials. When I was a little boy, way back in the 1960s, there was a TV show, and it dealt with Superman. And Superman could – I watched him fly in the air. There has been commercials that I've seen where – he flies in the air. And I've seen, you know, was even the Little Mermaid a cartoon where they have this image of, of Ariel's father. Was he Poseidon too? I forget. It was Trident. And, but anyway, superheroes, superheroes, I've seen them. I don't even have to have imagined them anymore. You've seen them, right? And you can grasp, wouldn't it be great to be a superhero? Wouldn't it be great to be somebody that can have the gift of an apostle, a prophet, or healing to do all those wonderful things? Absolutely. I don't even have to imagine what it's like to think, wow, I've seen Superman in movies reverse the entire world. An apostle who can heal somebody that knows God That'd be a pretty powerful person. And what I've been trying to hit upon all of us is we all go through life and we all realize I'm not an apostle. I'm not somebody who has the gift of healing. I'm not going to be somebody that gets direct prophecy from God. I'm not going to be that. Maybe I'm never going to be anything in life, but this is what you have to grasp. Look at the last line of chapter 12. I show you a more excellent way. It's open to every one of you. Every one of you can stand and say, I could be greater than a superhero a spiritual superhero, if I follow this thing of love. That's why I want it to be something that you passionately pursue. Do you recognize that when we're all done with this 13th chapter, 
Does everybody know what the first line of chapter 14 is? It's pursue love. Pursue it. Make it something that you aggressively go after. That is why if you've been a believer for longer than a year and you don't have 1 Corinthians 13 as a regular part of your regular evaluation, I'm challenging you, get going on it. God wants us to be. He says it's far superior because it's greater in value than all other actions. Look at verse 1, chapter 13. If, I, if you don't have love, you're nothing but a bunch of noise. We see people that they talk a good talk and they have Nothing to back it up because their actions are empty. That's what you are. I don't want to be that type of pastor, father, husband, fellow neighbor. Don't be a big, gassy ball of nothing. Be someone that is great. Look at verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries of knowledge, I have no faith, and I have all faith, so the mountains, but don't have love, I have nothing. I don't want to be a big zero. Then... I don't want to have my life, have all this work and all this effort. And look at verse 3. When it all comes down to it, it profits me nothing. That's why value, love is superior. You could have been one of these great superheroes that had all these great abilities, these super spiritual people, but you don't have love, you're nothing. And then we have said in verses 4 to 7, what makes the argument all the more powerful is that this description is so deep, it goes so broad. Every one of these words, if I use that expression, is pregnant, all right? And I saw the baby left, didn't it? I didn't introduce the baby. I feel so bad. Grant, bring the baby in. You gotta turn around. Pregnant. When something's pregnant, it, is, it comes out and it, and it explodes. This is the baby. This is, this is little Benjamin's first time here with us. Someone give him a hand. <laughs> So I, I get to theologically give that, that, that idea. You ever hear that expression? You say, well, that's a pregnant expression. That's a pregnant term. That's the idea. Something comes out and it expands. Every one of these expressions, love is patient, love is kind. It, it, they're, they call it a pregnant expression because it, it expands into something big. It's something that just can be talked and talked and talked about. And like I said, I talked about one word last week, kindness. And now here I am talking about it again. Why? Well, because the reality of it is, as we have said over and over and over last week, and I'll say it again today, we live in a world that doesn't have love and it doesn't have kindness. And this concept of grasping love is so deep theologically that God can give us all those terms and it all fits with the theology. Here were all those verses where we went through when we, we did several messages just on these concepts of love where we saw it's the greatest commandment, it's the goal of all instruction. We become witnesses when we practice love. This is why it's so critical that we focus on this. So if you weren't here, go back, listen to the podcast on this message. I think back in November, early December when we did it. Find me and I'll give you the date. But as we go through this, what we wanted to see is this concept of kindness. Why is it so important? Well, like I quoted that pastor last week, his name was Dennis um, Manorod. I don't think I've ever heard of him before, but I found this message on, on the Internet, and he talked about the fact that we live in a society where 89% of our population here in America believes one of the greatest problems in America is the fact that we're mean to one another and we're not kind. But when they did the survey and they asked, What's, how much do you contribute to the problem, most people said, not me. Only 1% of the people thought it was their fault. Well, we realize if we're going to impact our world, our families, we all have to be people who strive for kindness. So quick review. This is what we did. If you have your sermon notes out, we said kindness is a highly used word and concept in the Bible. So you look at that expression in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. About 250 times there's different words that are used for kindness in the Bible to be someone that does something that's good and beneficial, something that's positive. And if you weren't with us, we, we wanted you to understand there's Old Testament, there's New Testament words for kindness. They're very deep words. And one of the deepest words that you can understand in the Old Testament is the 
Hebrew word hesed. I spell it H-E-S-E-D. And I just want one more time for us to turn there for those people who weren't with us. Turn back to Malachi. Malachi chapter 6. The book of Malachi, minor prophet. Or Micah, not Malachi, Micah. Micah chapter 6. Micah, Micah is being written around the Babylonian captivities. Um, it, it's a time when the, the people are being judged for not being faithful, and they might throw their arms up in the air and say, you know, what, what do you want from us, God? And God says in verse 8, chapter 6 of Micah, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. This is a verse that gets put into song. This is a verse that gets quoted. It gets put on little memes all the time. And I want you to be thinking about it. This is the middle part. This is the characteristic of believers, Old Testament, New Testament. And just focus, just because we're focused on the word kindness. He doesn't just say be kind, love kindness. Are you somebody that loves kindness? For those of you who were with us last week, have that been resonating with you? That word kindness is the Greek Hebrew word hased, to love, loving kindness. And like I even said, you can jot this down. Psalm 136 is an entire psalm of the Bible that is dedicated to the acts of God's loving kindness. So we need to be people who recognize kindness is a highly used word and concept throughout the Bible. And then we have to recognize that kindness is a key trait of God as we looked at Psalm 136, as we looked at Psalm 100, that when we study the Bible, that God is recognizing that the reason he wants us to be kind is because he is someone that's kind. He is beneficial. He is somebody that, that wants us to realize at the very nature of who he is. And passage after passage after passage talked about God's loving kindness. And I want to challenge you that you are like God when you are kind, doing beneficial things for other people, especially when it's hard. And when, it, when, it, when, when you aren't, this is where we stopped last week. I want you to understand the negative impact of living with a mean person, okay? We live in a world that's beating people down because they, they're not kind. Here's just four. These are things that I put together. I put these together. Number one, you become passive about life. If, if you're dealing with people who aren't kind, I see people that have mean people in them, around them, and they become passive. Now, what do, you, what do I mean by this? Let me give an illustration. Several years ago, I was talking to a girl who wasn't popular. It was an unpopular girl. You can figure out why she wasn't popular. Many reasons why people aren't popular. And this woman wasn't very popular, young, young woman wasn't very popular. And she said to me, you know, you know, she said, she said, popular girls, popular girls, whether they're pretty, they have money, whatever. She goes, popular girls think everyone's kind. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, popular girls think that every time that they need a door open for them, there's somebody there to open the door for them. Popular girls think that uh, anytime they drop something on the ground, there's always going to be somebody there to pick it up. Popular girls always um, think that when they tell a joke, it's always funny. And I've watched, and I thought, well, you know, there, sometimes there's like, these pretty girls, and they, they can say the dumbest thing, but everybody's laughing at them. Or, you know, there's already somebody willing to help them out. Because obviously, if you've got a popular girl, a pretty girl, wealthy girl, whatever, the people are going out of their way. The guys are because they want to get her attention. They want to get something from her. And so the reality of it is, is what she said is like, I just don't feel like, you know, going and doing things in life. Got very passive about it. Listen, that's just one subset of what happens to people. People notice who gets kindness and who doesn't. And, and, and we don't want to be people that beat people down. We want to be people who are kind. We want to stop people being passive about life. And, and I think it, what it does is it takes out a lot of joy. You know, when people I find are, 
are, are mean to people. They're, they're not joyous. And, and the idea of joy, the Bible talks about people having joy. God wants humans to have joy. As we've been studying my push for Sunday school, studying the book of Philippians 16 times. The Apostle Paul talks about joy, joy, joy. And, and so what happens is a mean person makes somebody else sad. A mean person brings depression into this world. And there is a reason why if we are looking at a society and we can bemoan the fact that so many people are on these pills, anti-depressants, it's because when we look at a survey that says 89% of the world sees that we're a cold, hearted society that we don't say anything we don't do anything because remember kindness can be the words with the actions that you give <laughs> go to the ymca and i we live in a world that that's isolated so i go to the y and you, you come down a walk you come down a hallway and then you turn the corner if i'm working out in the afternoon or in the evening there's usually around the corner they, they've got all these benches and there can be anywhere, no joke, 10 to 15 young people. And almost inevitably, inevitably, when I turn the corner, every one of them is on a cell phone, head down, not looking up, not interacting, not saying anything kind, not saying anything positive to one another. I could think to myself, no wonder these kids today are so depressed. Nobody interacts with one another. Kind words, because we're going to see, lift one another's spirits. Kind words, kind actions. We isolate ourselves in our, our houses, our homes, our works, our lives, our internet, so we don't interact with people. To be kind means that you're proactive. Help bring people joy in life when we act in kindness. The other thing is, is what happens is, is when people become edgy with mean people. It, it's the idea, like if, if, if I'm constantly doing mean things, you're anticipating this. Your, 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 your nerves become fried. And what I have seen is that people constantly have their guard up because they're always waiting for something mean. This is why I've shared with you, please stop sarcasm. It is pathetic. We of all people should stop it. it, it it's, 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 it's just mean and people get edgy, but even more so because people always anticipate something bad happens, something not nice to happen. They become edgy. Let's help take the edge off and be kind to people. And then fourth, people have bad health because of the fact that they're depressed and they're edgy. And what happens is, is they have more anxiety. The Bible talks about that. We're going to see it in a little bit, that people aren't healthy because we live in a world of mean people. Let us be the people that are different. So all of this is, is I'm trying to grasp, get you to grasp. When we look at this one concept, love is patient, love is kind, it has far-reaching impact. So here, you take your sermon notes out, and I think it's on the back. You fill in the blank, word, concept, God, and now fill in the blank. Kindness is a key trait in Proverbs. I, I just want to take you through a couple Proverbs real quick. I got time. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 11. And, and, and what we see is in the book of Proverbs, that kindness was a trait and a characteristic that God wanted his people to have. He wanted them to be people who did nice things, useful things. Remember, all of that conveys the idea of being kind. And Proverbs eleven sixteen says this. It says, a gracious woman attains honor and ruthless men attain riches. The word for gracious there is a, is a Hebrew word, hen, which means kind. Beneficial, gracious in the sense of so you can just put a little note there. It, it, a kind woman attains honor. Why? This is the challenge. Why the contrast? Remember, proverbs are perfectly set. Sometimes they, the first line will say one thing and the second will say the same thing, but in a different way. And you have to think about it. Why the contrast? Why put these two together? Let's look at the second one. A ruthless man attains riches. It doesn't say a ruthless man gets poor. A, rich, a ruthless man gets ahead. This is something for you to grasp. Well, if I want riches, then I need to be ruthless. I need to walk over people, step over people, humiliate people, make other people in the office feel like they're idiots so that I'm the king and I get all the promotion or I'm the big guy in the neighborhood or I'm the big whatever. You know, 
that, wait a second, this doesn't make sense. Well, it does if you understand the person that's doing the kind thing that often sacrifices and says the kind word, does the thing that maybe, you know, doesn't, goes out of their way and, and sacrifices time for family, sacrifices their own food because they give food to somebody else. They're going to get honor. In the end, the idea of honor is that they win. God sees it and other people see it. And that's a, a great aspect of trust. And obviously, it, he gives the idea of a woman as the model versus a man, I think, because he wants us to see because, you know, the men are supposed to be the leaders. And here's this woman who's really the one leading and really making the impact. And this is the challenge for all of us. Think about the way you talk about people, the way you, 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 you act towards people. And, and you know, sometimes we fail. I, I gave this great talk on kindness last week, and next thing you know, I was in a conversation with someone, and they were trying to cheat my daughter, and I got a little edgy, and, and I kicked myself later. I said, man, even when I get in this situation, I need to be kind. And for the people that were around me, I apologized, and I said, forgive me. I get it. I know that sometimes we get pushed, and you get pushed, but I want to be a person that tries to be kind because in the end, I win. Look at the very next proverb. The merciful man does himself good, but the cruel man does himself harm. The merciful man is the Hebrew word said, loving kindness man. This is when it's used as an adjective. The, the, the person that is committed to kindness, this is where you benefit yourself. We talk in the prayer time about the reward that you're going to get. I want you guys to understand that the good you're going to do is you're going to you're reaping up rewards, but also the fact that it blesses you. It blesses your own personal health. I talked about the health of the people that you that that are being that were treated mean. I think the person that ends up being mean ends up being someone that God doesn't give them good health. Challenge yourself. Look at that verse 17. The merciful man does himself good. I think it's in the character. It's in the quality of people that are around him, the goodwill that he builds up, all right? But the cruel man does himself harm. And I think it's harm, and, and we don't believe in a thing called karma, but we believe what you reap is what you sow. And there is a reality that God watches and God sees everything. You think you can get away with a little act of meanness. You're wrong. Jump over it to chapter 12, verse 10. These are just a series of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10, and it says, A righteous man has regard for the life of his animal, but even the compassion of the wicked is cruel. That word compassion is, again, a word for kindness. And I thought to myself, why put this in here? Why does God put Proverbs 12, 10? A righteous man has regard for the life of his animal. Because you know what? For someone that has animals and someone that's got dogs, I, I can tell you that you can either treat an animal you know, if you can treat an animal really cruel, that animal often, it, it can't get back at you, okay? And so it, it's, a, you know, where a person can. Well, the, to me, and I'm trying to, to put animals low, lower, but the reality of it is, if you're going to treat something that can't get back at you in a mean way, then surely you're also going to try and, you know, see if you can get away with it with people. And God gives you this little warning with the idea here, the insight that the kindness of the wicked is cruel. And I'm thinking to myself, why would he put those two together? And it's because sometimes the, the, the person that is not really, really, really kind, the cruel individual, when they try to act kind, it, it's not really genuine. Maybe it's because, you know, it's like I was thinking like a cruel dad that never shows up for his kid, but every once in a while, once a year says, oh, I'll take you out you know, to a ball game. And then the kid gets excited and the kid's like, oh, I get to go with my dad. And then the dad doesn't show up. You know, Their kindness is cruel. Their kindness is wicked. It's like the husband is not faithful to the wife and the wife keeps hoping that he's gonna finally turn around and repent, but never comes through. Their kindness is cruel. I don't wanna be like that. You don't wanna be like that. Go over to chapter 12, verse 25, same chapter. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. Again, the word good is from the Hebrew word hen, kind. 
the kind word. The kind word makes it glad. So here's why I talked about anxiety, weighs a heart down. When I talk about mean people, it's not having good people being mean to someone and them not having good health. You know, we're writing contemporary articles on it, like in 2020, like, wow, mankind is understanding. If you're mean, you're not, someone's not going to have good health. God wrote this 3,000 years ago. We live in a society with mean people, and there's a reason a lot of people, as mean increases, meanness increases, health goes down. Listen, you can make a difference. Are you a person that loves kindness? Verse 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word. You know, somebody says something, well, you look nice today. Boy, yeah, that's a nice smile. Oh, that's a nice hat. Oh, it's nice to see you today. You know, those are ways to express kindness, let alone going out of your way to do something for somebody. And then finally, and there were numerous ones. Last chapter, 31, Proverbs 31. And I think this is this is critical. Verse 26, Proverbs 31, you know, first half talks about what a godly son should look for in a woman. Then the second half is what a godly woman is. And then the Proverbs 31 woman. And you get down to verse 26 and it says, she opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. I say the woman, a mother is the backbone of a family. You have a rotten mother. It's going to impact the children. It's going to impact the husband. Thank God for the godly mothers that we do have in our church. And, and, and obviously, if you have a, a woman that's speaking kindness, the kids are going to want to speak just like their mom, and the husband surely isn't going to get, a, get away with being me. Okay? How important it is that kindness is something that starts with a mother, and it's at the backbone of a home. So here's just a few. These are just a few. You, the depth of this is incredible. This is why kindness was not just a simple word. Love is kind. As we go on here, we started to allude to this last week. Love doesn't come naturally. Turn to Romans chapter 3. Some of you heard this last week, and it's going to be somewhat of a repeat, but I'm going to elaborate on it. Love is kind, and we say love doesn't come naturally because here in Romans chapter 3 is a famous passage, a passage that will wrap up with the great line in verse 23, all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Most of you have that memorized, right? But when you come to chapter 3, verse 10, um, it says, it is written, there's not one righteous, not even one. There's none who understand. There's none who seeks for good. Th God, these are all reasons why people are sinners and they need Jesus Christ. And Verse 12, all have turned aside. Together they become useless. There's none who does good. There's not even one. And for those of you who heard last week, the word good you heard, for those of you here for the first time, the word good you should write in your Bibles is not the normal Greek word kalos, which means good. Like I said, oh, that, you know, you did good on that paper. You did good on that job. This is the word for kindness. This is the Greek word that, from the adjective which the Apostle Paul made the verb in 1 Corinthians 13. It's mind-blowing. And I think if you grasp it, and some of you told me you were thinking about this, and I've thought a lot about this. Love, there is none who does kindness. This gets at the heart of what you look at when you say, wait a second, you know, all major religions focus on kindness. All major religions will you know, promote hospitals, that heal sick people or, or do kind works for people. What do you mean there's none who does kindness, God? How is that a mark of what sinfulness and why people need Jesus Christ? It's because this is what I see. This is what I know. That when ultimately push comes to shove, the, most of the time people do kindness as long as it's beneficial for them. But when all of a sudden it doesn't mean, it, 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 when it doesn't, cost me it, when it costs me too much then i'm not going to be kind if, if all of a sudden uh, I, it, it costs me too much to stay in this marriage i'm walking out if it costs me too much to stay in this friendship i'm walking out it costs me too much to stay with this neighborhood this whatever i'm walking out listen god recognizes that 
people have their limits. And God is saying, look, my kindness is everlasting. The depth of my kindness is incredible. And the ex expectation I have of you is to be kind even when it costs you. And this is what you can say to somebody that you see them acting unkind. And, and, they, and what, what do unkind people do all the time? They try to justify it. Well, ultimately, instead of just pointing fingers and thinking of people that have been unkind to you, think about yourself. Because remember, I said the 1% of America thinks that they have an aspect of unkindness in them. When the reality of it is, is we're all unkind, not to God's standard. And this is why we need Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you recognize that, boy, the way I think, the way I speak, the way I act, I've not always been kind. And this is why you need to turn to Jesus. There's none who does kind. There's none. And, and it's humbling. And it's only through Jesus Christ that you can start to live a life of kindness. And if you see somebody that's not living kind, I don't think they're born again. It's interesting because you fill in the blank. Kindness is a fruit of the spirit for changed people. People who have come to faith, you know, turn over to Galatians chapter 5. You should all see this. You should all know this passage. You, if you've been believers, Galatians, Ephesians, right, in the New Testament. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, where the apostle Paul is talking about what happens to the person that's born again, that's, that's led by the spirit, okay? Because the Holy Spirit take, comes and lives inside the believer. The Holy Spirit transforms them and then you've got these nine attributes fruit of the spirit is love joy peace what love joy peace patience kindness now obviously there's a little overlap i'm not going to get into the theology that you have love there and then you have patience and kindness but let's just focus on the idea of kindness the idea of somebody if they're constantly lacking in kindness in the way they speak in the way they act then you've got a problem. And for us, when I say you need to love kindness, it's because this is the very nature of what's a spirit-produced person, that you need to have this. And, and if you've been listening to me, I said, been thinking, kindness impacts the way you think, the way you speak, the way you act. But there's a fourth area. It impacts your omissions. And, and, and what are our omissions? It's the things that I'm supposed to do that I never do. I'm supposed to go to church, but I never go to church. Uh, you know, I, I'm supposed to, t I, I love my wife, but I never tell her I love her. Well, wait a second. No, if you're somebody that never goes out of your way to tell your spouse you love them, you're in trouble. If you never go out of your way and tell your children that you love them, you're in trouble. If you're not somebody that is doing the things that you're supposed to do, like a father's supposed to go out and support his family, if you're not doing those things, you're in trouble. And if you're a mother and you're not taking care of your family and you're not doing the kind thing, you're in trouble. Omissions, the things that you're supposed to be doing. And you say, well, I never say anything bad. I never do anything bad. I never hurt anybody. I never punch anybody. But you never do anything positive. God is going to get you for that. You're going to be held accountable. So the spirit-filled person isn't somebody that just starts babbling in this wild, tons, ecstatic, crazy throw myself on the ground kind of speech. It's a person that's doing kind things. And especially when they cost you. So fruit of the spirit, a changed person will produce this kindness. Number six, we need to understand kindness is critical to evangelism. Turn back to Romans chapter two. And, and I think this one, you better put your thinking cap on theologically. You really have to understand this and follow along because Romans chapter 2, we're going to see that kindness is critical for people coming to the Lord. Now listen, and it's not going to be the kindness necessarily of humans. Look at verse 4. The Apostle Paul is in chapter 2 of the book of Romans is talking about who's good and who's not. And he's trying to show us by the time he gets into chapter 3 that all have sinned, that there's no good people. And, and what he's going to say in Romans 2, 4 is, do you, do, do you think lightly of the riches of his and his being God's? What? His kindness and his tolerance and his patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. And two times in that one verse, you get the idea of God's kindness, his beneficial, his goodness that leads people to repentance. I think that when I study the concept of kindness, 
that there is no exhortation for the Apostle Paul to move from town to town and set up kind camps, set up hospitals, do kind things. The, the Apostle Paul will be kind. He'll heal people. He'll do nice things. But ultimately, when I trust in evangelism, I need to understand that when I talk to people, I need to bring up God's kindness. And I think it's critical that we do that. And what are I talking about God's kindness? Is when I share with people that they're a sinner and they've fallen short of the glory of God. And you need to understand how reprehensible sin is to God. This is far different than I think where we see the liberal Protestant church today. Where they think, well, we should just be kind. We'll, we'll kill them with kindness and they'll all become believers. No, they won't. You've got churches, and I'm not saying you can't do this. They, you know, they'll go out and they'll, they'll, they'll rake everyone's leaves and hope that everyone comes to the Lord. You, you can't, but they'll never you know, say you know, the gospel. If I'm going to rake leaves, I need to tell people the gospel. If I have a clothing outlet, I need to tell people the gospel, and that's why we do that. What we need to tell people is, listen, one sin sends a person to hell. One. And, and, and if you've committed millions of sins, you need to grasp that God, with that one sin, could have instantaneously, moment in that very moment that you sinned, could have sent you into an eternity where you have pain and suffering and darkness forever and Everything that you get in that place, you deserve. And when you grasp that and you say to yourself, well, then why aren't I in hell now? Because God is kind. God has been gracious. God has been tolerant. And, and passages like in Romans chapter, I mean, Matthew chapter 5, where it talks about the fact that God lets the sun rock, you know, go on the, on the sun on the, and, and the rain come on the good and the evil. And the sense of people that have turned their back on him and God has allowed them to have air and water and food. I think we need to proclaim, do you understand how good and kind God is? God is gracious. And then on top of that, God kindly provided his son to die to pay the penalty for your sins. I believe when we talk about kindness being critical to evangelism, I don't have to fear that I didn't go rake everybody's leaves when I go door to door. I, I can go to door to door and I can present the gospel and I can say, wait a second, hey, you've got a problem. You, you need some leaves rake. I'll be gracious. I'll help you out if that's what I if that if I've got the time and the energy, blah, blah, blah. But we need to tell people about God's kindness. That's why it's critical to evangelism. And I think the more we think about that, the more it might impact people. Because look at verse four again. Do you think lightly of his riches and kindness and tolerance and patience? not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. God has not sent you to judgment. Therefore, he's been kind to you. You have time to repent. Now, again, I'm not saying don't be nice to people and don't reach out to your neighbors and don't give them cookies or help them out. Absolutely, use those for open doors. But please tell people about God's kindness. Lastly, I think this was interesting. Kindness includes rebukes and discipline. Turn your Bibles to Luke. To, to Luke. Um, and what, why I, I wanted to do this one last point when I went into the depth and riches of, of, of kindness is in Luke chapter 13, Jesus Christ is dealing with people who hate him. And, and they're accusing him of healing somebody, on this, a woman on the Sabbath, and they're accusing him of being evil. And Jesus responds in Luke chapter 13. I'll get the right verse, verse 15. And he says, the Lord answered and said, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him? Because they were criticizing, oh, you did this on the Sabbath. And Jesus realizes, you very cruel people, wouldn't you take care of your donkey if it needed water on the Sabbath? He says in verse 16, And this woman, a daughter of Abraham, as she is, whom Satan is bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day? 
My point is not the fact that Jesus act of kindness. Remember, theologically, when I said kindness goes throughout the scriptures, like 250 plus times words are used, actions of kindness where God does things like this, heal people, Jesus healed somebody. But the kindness that I'm getting at right now is this, is the fact that kindness includes rebukes. And, and I think it's important that we understand that sometimes you've got to tell people they're wrong. Sometimes you've got to tell people they're hypocrites. Sometimes you've got to tell people they're a sinner. Being a kind person doesn't mean you always keep your mouth quiet. Later on in, or earlier in Luke chapter 11, Jesus also brings, warns people about coming judgment. And that and judgment and discipline, are, you know, very similar to the idea of spare the rod, hate the child, right? The idea is sometimes you got to discipline people. And rebuking doesn't mean that you've been unkind. Discipline doesn't mean that you've been unkind. So it's critical if I'm putting together this theology of, 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 of kindness and being positive and being beneficial and being useful that I forget that it also includes rebukes and disciplines. I mean, I know for myself, I saw this 40-some years ago, and I even recently seen it. It, 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 this, there, was, there was an old Andy Griffith show. There's a TV show that had a lot of morals when I was growing up. And this is Andy Griffith, and he had a son named Opie. And I just loved that show. I did. I don't think it's worthy of me using it to, to preach out of. I can use that as an illustration. But there was one show that has always stood with me. And there was this little new boy that moved into town, and he was a brat. And why was he a brat? It was because his father thought that being a kind father meant I never disciplined my child. And so one day the kid um, teaches Opie, you throw yourself on the ground, you throw a tantrum, you'll get what you want. And, and Opie tries it with, the, with, with Andy, and he, Sheriff Taylor, and he doesn't get what he wants. But then later on, as they, because as, Andy says, I'm, I'm not going to give in to you. You know, you get up and you get, Opie got disciplined. Well, later on, this little boy keeps riding his bike on the sidewalk and endangering people in the wonderful town of Mayberry. And, and, and Andy keeps taking the bike away. And the big crucial thing at the end, you know, this father that won't discipline, won't rebuke his son, comes to the head when this, Andy says to the father and to this little boy, he says, basically, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the bike back, but to the little boy, but your dad has to go to jail. And the little boy goes, fine, I don't care about my dad going to jail. And it's like, boom, then the light bulb comes on. The dad realizes the kid is so selfish and he's a brat. And, he, and I still get choked up when I remember the, the father saying to Andy, hey, it's okay, give me the bike. And Andy goes like, why? Why do you want the bike? He goes, because I'm selling it. Because the father, the light bulb goes on. I don't know if the light bulb always goes on for everybody, but that little boy was, i.e., from that point on, hopefully – going to have a father that rebuked him and disciplined him. Some of you, sometimes you need to step up and you need to tell people things. Open rebuke is better than hidden love. And, and we've got to remember when we speak, rebukes and kindness are not things that, re rebukes and discipline are not being unkind. All right? So remember the questions that we all once started about, like, how am I going to make a difference in this life? How am I going to stop from feeling lonely? How am I going to impact other people? Well, love is always the answer. And kindness is something that I want you to think about proactively. Do you love kindness? You can see it's the perfect complement to patience. And <laughs> it's a very deep subject. Believe it or not, we spent two Sundays on this, and I think I could have gone deeper. I don't, know if, I don't want to bore you, but I want you to really start to think, how am I someone that, what does God require of me? He wants me to love kindness. He wants me to be someone that's proactive in the way I speak and the way I act, going out of my way, sacrificing when it's not good for me, when it's hard. Look, Anyone can love a cute, cuddly teddy bear, right? Cute, cuddly dog or whatever. But when it's an ugly dog or when it's not a cute thing, that's when the ch ch challenge is. And we're in a world with ugly people. 
mean people, rude people, people that you shouldn't open the door for. Sometimes that, you know, they're just not nice. But when we're kind in return, it does open up a door for the gospel. But tell people and something about God's kindness. And I tell you what, if you keep your mouth shut and don't tell people the gospel, then you're the most unkind. We have to be people who tell people in this day and age when, it, oh, it, I, I can go up and down and I can rake leaves all day from neighbors. But will I do the kind thing and also tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ? Challenge yourself with that. So again, I'm asking you every day, if we go back to 1 Corinthians 13, there are 15 verbal adjectives there. It's an incredible grid. Memorize them and challenge yourself. Am I patient? Am I kind? Not jealous. Am I not a bragger? Not arrogant. Next week, we're going to get back into the next. We're going to get, a, we're going to, we're going to get a couple of these done in one Sunday. But like I said, love, being patient and love and being kind. A lot of theologians believe those are the two strongest, important ones, and that's why I wanted to spend time on it. So ask yourself, do I love kindness? Let's pray. Father, I hope that we are a church that loves kindness. We are individuals that love kindness. Help us to sacrifice where it's needed. Help us to be people who really have thought through this area. There are people who are in marriages right now, and a spouse isn't kind. Give the, the people strength to respond. Some parents have kids that aren't kind, and some kids have parents that aren't kind. Give them all the strength to return kindness. But if there's people here today that you know, they realize, boy, I'm not kind at work, I'm not kind with my family, I'm, like, a, I'm, I'm hoping that there's a sense of repentance. I'm not kind in my speech, I'm not kind in my actions. Help us to be a church that really grasps the importance that this kindness that runs throughout Scripture is important because it's the very nature of who you are. Oh, it's so simple. Be kind. Be kind. But God, there's always the test. And when we fail, like I felt like I failed last week, in one instance, and maybe we can do 99 other times correct, help us to all strive to be 100% so that one day, You'll say, Mike, you were really loving the way you lived this world. Help each person to say, hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, because we are loving. And we ponder and we wonder, what, what does it mean to be Christ-like? What does it mean to be God-like? I'm thankful that today we've had time to just simply think that love is kind because God is kind. And so, God, if somebody's in sin and they're in a relationship, with sin, it's not kind to be in that sinful relationship. If someone is being mean to someone, it's not kind to be mean. May repentance happen today. Let us all recognize the serious nature. Being a liar is not kind. The depths of where kindness touches God is so far so deep. In Jesus' name, amen.